Hello there, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm one of your hosts, Angel, with John Pepe. How's it going, Angel? Dude, I got eight hours of sleep, so that's going fucking fantastic. Oh, that's like the most you've had in a year and a half. Oh, my God. Yeah, F-bombs are going to be dropping today because I <laughs> feel good. Uh, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Second cup of coffee, so ready to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Amazing Action Comics Podcast. This one's going to be a little bit different this week as it's every now and then we get a little bit of uh, a bump in the road. When it comes to releases of comics, they're either just continuing the numbers and we have less number ones, which is sort of like the uh, the gist of this week. So we only had, I believe, from what we get as far as orders to the store, there were two books that were released. One was a one shot, the Fire and Ice Tigra book, yep. uh, which we were like, mm, OK. Um, and then the other one that we were a little bit more excited about, which was a Savage Sword of Conan. Uh, magazine style, old school newsprint paper. Yeah. You just smell, uh, it's just fantastic. However, <laughs> I did not get a copy of it because we under ordered. So I have to wait till next week to get my copy. And I think we'll review it next week. Yeah. Now, I do want to get wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. Doubled. I didn't get a copy, but this mother effer <laughs> right across me did get a copy without telling me. So he so did. He's, so credit where credit is due. I wanted I wanted to give a shout out to uh, <coughs> a friend and colleague, uh, John Goncars, um, and he insisted on the way out the door after work yesterday. He's like, "You you take you take this. You take the Savage Sword of Conan. You read it. You can review it tomorrow." <laughs> so he 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 leased me his copy. Um, so yes, I have had a chance to look at it, um, but we'll, we'll talk about it next week. So you have a chance so we can. Yes. Yes. yes yeah. No spoilers. Actually, I, I, I peeked through it. It looks yeah. really nice. And it's cool. It's, it is such a throwback to, to the old black and white magazine. I mean, well, yeah, like I said, it, like you said, it smells like, a yes. new, like a magazine is great, but yeah, I just wanted to give a thank you, a big thank you to John Goncars. He's uh he's a, 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 a gentleman, a scholar, yes. and just a, an all around good human being. Goncars, you're on my shit list. So yeah, we're going to stay there for a while. Um, it's all good. All right. So we don't have books for you to review this week, but we do have a topic that we want to talk about because um, I think there's a lot, especially when people go into bookstores, a lot that they don't know about how comics are ordered. Um, in regards to what's on the shelf, what's available um, to everyone. And, and you know, we're in a day and age where there's a ton of titles that are actually available other than just the big two. And when we look at small press and independent um, comics, there's so much more out there that we don't know about just because there isn't enough shelf space to get everything. I think if stores were to order everything from the distributors, they would need probably double, triple the size of the store that they have to be able to carry everything. But that doesn't mean that it's not available to you. It's just, it's not at the store. So that means you don't know that it exists oftentimes. And we're gonna show you guys how to get a lot of that information that may open you up to, who knows, new titles and new stories, which would be awesome. Uh, but before we get there, we just have some news of the week. I'm gonna hand it over to John, who's gonna take us through you know, what happened in the last week or so. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, well, one thing, definitely, uh, just a little personal note. Uh, I just do want to say uh, my condolences to friend of the show and personal friend, Tom Palmer Jr. Uh, you know, he was a guest host, uh, guest reviewer back in August, I believe, and um, has been on my other show. And I've just known him for 30, over 30 years now. But his, uh, his cat Squiggy passed away. And it, Squiggy was just one of those really cool cats that was the only animal in the house. So he really just was like a, a part of the crowd, right? You'd be having a conversation at the dinner table, you know, a whole group of us and, uh, you know, we'd all be engaged and you'd just sort of hear this meow off the side and you'd look and they're sitting at the head of the table, like in the chair, like, you know, as if you, <laughs> like that meme, right? Uh, is, is squiggy, you know, it would be squiggy. So uh, really, really a king among cats. So, um, you know, just uh, my condolences to Tom and his family and, um, you know, but you did a great job with with, with Squiggy. He, uh, he he lasted a really long time. So nice. All right. So here, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because I think there is a big difference, especially when people have pets. You have the two major pets, right? Yeah. You have dogs and you have cats. And I find that when most people announce that their pet dog has passed away, there's more of a a, a, a sentiment or a feeling of uh, I don't know, just. Uh, you feel closer to them, like being more of a family than mm -hmm. a cat. And I've had cats yeah, uh, myself in my past life. And I think the big difference between the two is how those two animals react, right? Mm -hmm. So you have dogs who are just humping your leg all the time and just love you unconditionally. And cats are just fuckers. <laughs> they, they fucking hate the whole entire world except for their owner. And, and it's funny because when uh, my wife and I started dating, I had two cats. Um, actually, was it? No, no, I had two. Two is when I was younger. One cat, Gypsy. And that cat did not like her at all. At all. It, it, well, it didn't like anybody, to be, right. to be honest. That cat just loved me. So I think, uh, yeah, the cats put themselves in a category where if something happens to them, people either just don't care or don't care as much as they do when dogs pass away and stuff like that yeah i mean or or you know again i think it's sometimes if you've had that bond you know with with a cat or if you've had a few cats like sometimes i think that resonates more um it's funny you mentioned like, you know good indicator that my wife was the one was because my cat smoky at the time uh liked her and smoky didn't like anybody mm. except me right so um so so i, I think part of it though it, i mean i think it's it is that universal cats and or dogs right i think it is right. a universal connection that you do make with that pet and sometimes it really just comes down to the pet look there are cat owners or dog owners one of them dies they're devastated the other one dies and they're like uh, you know whether you know if they have more than one <laughs> sometimes i think it's where the circumstances with how you find that pet too um John Stewart on the Daily Show on Monday. He's back. Mm -hmm. He's just doing Mondays. Yep. And at the end of the show, he talked about his um, dog that he adopted while he was originally on the show. They were doing something, I think, for an adoption agency. He saw this three-legged dog. He fell in love. And that was his boy, right? That mm. was his best friend until all the time. And so Sunday night, I guess they, they had to put the dog down. He does this tearful thing at the end of the show, talking about this and talking about the dog and his wish for the audience is, I hope you find a, a, a boy as good as, as my boy was for me. And yeah. I think that's the universal kernel of truth with that, you, you know? So like in, in, in certain cases, like with Squiggy, like, like I said, the, you know, the soul pet, like his daughter's, 
always knew this cat in their life. You know, this Which cat got him through certain yeah. things, you know? So sometimes I think it is, it's like the experiences you have with that pet dog or cat. But um, yeah, I definitely, there is definitely a, a, a difference among it uh but sometimes it's like with a with a cat owner it's like if you know you know and yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it hurts you and know? i think yeah. that people are made that way as well there are people that yeah. are meant to own dogs and people that are meant to own cats and stuff yeah. like that there are um, people but i think there are people who die and you're like boy why couldn't it have been an asshole <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly exactly but you know generally speaking you can see the disparity between the two animals I mean, their personality traits and stuff like that for the most part. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's always sad. I mean, we're looking at my dog, I think is turning eight. Um, so yeah, she's, she's starting to get up there. And so, yeah. you know, that's, you know, my daughter's had her since she was seven. And so she's, you know, I, I can't even think about it because in, in my family, for my wife, it goes daughter, dog, then me. And then for my daughter, it goes mother, dog, than me. So I'm still third, no matter what. That dog I think, just has I, the ups on him. I think also uh, on part of the owner and having been through this myself, uh, and I think you've kind of experienced this to a degree as well, uh, the amount of money you spend on oh. your animal is commensurate to the amount of grief you have when they finally pass. Because we are in an age where, you know, vet medicine is akin to human medicine at this point and when we were younger much, yep. it was like well the cat you know the animal's sick all right let it go good see you you know in some cases right but but yeah we're at a point where people will go to great lengths to just extend the lives of their of their pets so so you know with you know so i always feel like the, the amount the amount of money you spend is commensurate to your grief at the end it, of the day. It's true, even to the detriment of my own health. Yeah. So, like, that cat goes to the hospital or to the vet more than I go to a doctor. Right? I can't even tell you the last time I've been to a doctor. Right. But my, right. my, my dog's been to the vet, like, I don't know how many times in the last, you know, two years. So it's just crazy. But, and yeah, I wonder, people love their pets. If animals could talk, they'd probably be going to the doctor less. Too. Like, no, it's just <laughs> no, a thing. It'll get yeah. better. Yeah. It's all good. Let me yeah. just lick it off. Yeah. Uh, it's all good. Yes, but Squiggy up in uh, cat heaven. Yeah, uh, so, you yeah, know, cheers. bless you, Palmer. So, yeah. So, uh, right. next bit. Yeah, next bit is, uh, oh, I got a little birthday greeting. A little happy birthday greeting. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is Leap Day, February 29th, and it is... <laughs> Superman's uh, birthday. That's why we look so good. He was, uh, they, they, that's sort of a canonical thing there uh, in, in not really canonical in the comics, but sort of an editorial thing where they said, um, you know, oh, whoa, whoa, it's been like 40 years. Why does Superman look so good? They're like, because he's born on leap year. That's the day he was hatched or whatever it is that they say. So uh, so what is kind of neat, though, is that today they're also starting filming on James Gunn's Superman yep. legacy. So I thought that was really fitting and appropriate and apt. Uh, obviously, I, you know, the impact of Superman does not ever need to be ever said again. I think it is apparent. But yes, we really wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for that freaking comic back uh in 1938 uh with some guy in in a in a circus man's outfit smashing a green car in a rock and that started the whole ball rolling and it did lead to you know the comic book being a viable medium and again open the doors even in that action comics you don't just have a superman story you have a whole bunch of stories detective stories mm -hmm. cartoon you know comic stories like so uh so yeah action comics number one um definitely is is why comics are still around there's no doubt about that in my mind so sure 
So happy, happy birthday, birthday Superman. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, next bit. Yeah, Angel. Yeah. Variety. Variety. Vanity Fair had an article yesterday. Vanity Fair is a, a, a publication. It used to be a magazine. I think it mm -hmm. still might be. I don't know. But uh, they had an article about the Crow reboot that is coming out. I and saw this. This is the most information that we have seen on this movie uh, to date. Uh, outside of casting, and I think a week or so ago, we got a June 7th release date. So just almost to the day, 40, 40 or 30 years? 30 years after okay. the, the original movie. Yeah. 94. So June 7th of what? 2025? Uh, of this year. Yeah. Of this year. Of this year. So, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been done. I think it finished, it wrapped last year, I think. So it's just, it's been kind of taking its time, which can be worrisome. Um, well, I mean, had the writer strike and the actor strike, all that sure, stuff. Sure, but I think on, it was so. all—I think it was all completed before all of that. So I don't know what the deal was, but um, it uh, we, there's no trailer yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, all we have, I think, are three still images that do showcase um, Pennywise Skarsgård, uh, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who was Pennywise in It, and mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff. Um, if you ever see the movie, there's a movie Barbarian that he's in that I don't want to tell you anything about it, but okay. it, you should check it out because, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, he's good in that. Which and, is different from the movie Barbarians, which was back in the 80s. The Barbarian the Twins. Oh, yeah, the two God. brothers. Yes. Listen, I went down. I, I know I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Right. But I was, I don't know, scrolling through and I saw it and I was like, I was going to start drawing. And I was like, let me put this in the background because I just put shit in the background so that I, it could just hear it. Yeah. But I ended up not doing anything at all, but watching Much. that horrible, horrible movie. That the acting is just, but you just can't look away. That you just can't look away. So yes, but, thank you, yeah, Barbarian Brothers. Between the two of them, you still need to find another actor. <laughs> oh <my laughs> you God, think oh, just... two of them? They, at least it's like make one good actor. No. No. It was just uh, like I, like I could tell how that movie was filmed. It was it was like all right, let's do this. Someone's real backyard, quick. <laughs> and then this stop cut. Let's go right directly to the next scene. It was yeah, it was yeah. horrible. But yes, not to be mistaken by the barbarian by yeah. Bill. So yeah, this movie Barbarian definitely check him out for a very different non makeupy performance. We'll say for Bill Skarsgård. So makeup that's a big thing. So basically, a lot of people uh, from these still images are a little like they're getting Jared Leto Joker vibes, right? Yeah, he's got the, the face tattoos. tattoos and all this, and. Here's the thing, uh, um, as far as the aesthetic, it does remind me of the original comic, but mm. it just is a uh, the same guy, but instead of 1984, like when the comic was being created uh, and when the comic is set, it is a 2024 guy, right? So I feel, because, you know, I, I would say like the we get you know the, the the crow movie that we got with Brandon Lee while as great as it is is very much a Hollywoodized sanitized version of that really gritty grungy original comic book and so they are grunge because it's the mid 90s early mid 90s you know mm -hmm. but they're clean right whereas in the comic Eric, uh, Eric and Shelley they're you know they're low class people struggling to make ends meet they are not you know their clothes are dirty they have it and we only really see them you know very briefly in those flashbacks as far as what their lives are like and their surroundings right but they're of a time period and i think that that's sort of what they're going here 
that 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 let's say the same circumstances happen to someone today. So I can accept the tattoos. I can accept a lot of that. I can accept the shaved sides because he's got the bangs and like the long hair in the back, which is kind of yeah. cool. That's kind of like the comics, not the the, the Brandon Lee refined '90s hair, Drop right? Head, which looks awesome. Anyway, so um, so the pro the, the thing that concerns me is that in this article there is a synopsis. And one of the things that stuck out to me was the the line about uh, 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 something from Shelley's past catches up to her. And it cites mm. actor Danny Houston as being integral to that. So once again, what they've done with the Crow story is taken the random tragedy, the non-connected random tragedy of the original story, which mm -hmm. to me is the heart and soul of the Crow. If you're not doing that, you're not really making the Crow. Because in the Brandon Lee movie, I would say it's the best Batman movie made uh, of that time because the murder is is predicated on the fact that she is fighting the big bad and it becomes boss fight in the movie, right? Uh, um, the idea that the guy, you know, um, the, the, the main villain is, is trying to buy the building out. She's the last holdout. She's fighting him for the sale. That's why they kill her. Right, right. Um, uh, and so again, if you're you're putting something a dark secret from her past, with with, with especially with an actor of Danny Houston's caliber, but an age, right? It, it, it changes a lot of the the motivation of the dynamic throughout. That right. it becomes a different sort of revenge story. So let me ask you a question, that because in the book, the act of her death is so random. Yeah, right? just just like what happened to Jo Barr. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we look at the book itself, it, it's sort of like a love letter and, and uh, you know, just uh, just him getting rid of all of his feelings yes. into that book, right? Yeah. So when we're making a movie, and this is just me playing devil's advocate, especially when it comes to dollars and cents, if we take something sort of like a random act that happens to somebody within the movie, say within the first 30 minutes of the movie, as a person who's looking at a medium, there's it's harder to connect to a death it's harder to connect to a person or relate to anything in their lives when it's just completely random right so there's nothing to hinge on to in, in right. regards to an audience member saying why why should i invest more of my time into this movie when i know nothing about this person that death is random and this person is just going to go crazy kind of thing if, yeah. if we look at it overall that's pretty much what it is so i think in the original movie that they did with brandon lee even though it's not true, true right. to the comic in regards to how Shelley dies uh, and, and that whole connection between the villain, I think you have that that tether between her as a person, him as a person, the villain in the movie, are all their fates are all tethered together. So as an audience member, we can see what's going on from the outside, even though it's unveiling for them as they go through the movie. So there's something for us to hinge on to. If they do it true to the book, like you sell me, if they do true to the book, how do you hook an audience in? Right, right. And, and you are 100% correct. And I think that, so here's the thing. And I think for the 90, the, the 94 movie, it absolutely works. Uh, everything in that movie really does work, even though it is, philosoph we'll say philosophically, a different um, starting point. Uh, and, and it makes sense and it absolutely works in a great way to introduce that story to a general audience. I just feel 30 years later, we have come so far 
uh, and more, I think, savvy as filmmakers that I understand the idea of casting that wide net and making that money and getting mm -hmm. as many people hooked into the movie as possible. But I also look at certain things like, like Godzilla minus one, right? Something that twists that formula that that does something a little new with a little mm. something different with a classic story i think that there is enough audience now that is ready for that so the hook i feel would be the same thing as in the comic that this is a story that could happen to you that this that at any moment in your life something tragic and unexpected and unconnected to anything else could happen mm. just like what happened to jobar when his his fiance was killed you know mm. by the drunk driver right random acts happen all the time and i think that that is very relatable to the human condition and i feel that audiences are sophisticated enough that you can you you could do that in a movie without trying to make that connection and you find you know and again you could still use eric as your sort of audience identifier right because that's right, also right, what you right, need, right right and again it's a, it's a guy walking down the street one day with his girlfriend and a rock falls off a bill, you know, it's a, a corner falls off a building and boom, kills one of them. Like that can still be, I think, identifiable and relatable and universal. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But then the only aspect that's missing is that relationship between, you know, what happened to her. Right. And why does he take up arms and start right. going after bad people? So one thing they did say in this movie as well, that kind of, you know, again, narratively would work. And as you've seen in the book, you get such a deep understanding of their relationship and their love through for each other through the flashbacks that run throughout the book telling mm -hmm. their story. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the, the, the 94 movie, it is, it is an economic storytelling shorthand. They get killed right at the beginning of the movie. And then you kind of find out the piece along the way, the big, right. you know, you know, and narratively it just kind of barrels you through so that you just kind of have that 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 shortcut of how important their relationship was, right? right. Uh, and so one of the things in the Vanity Fair article it says is that you spend a lot more time at the beginning of the movie uh, with Eric and Shelley, so that her death happens probably closer to the midpoint, mm -hmm. um, and then he has a gradual transformation into the crow. That it al almost happens in stages throughout the movie, mm. so you know. So I think that's how they they would do that. So so if they're doing that, then again, do you need the premeditated part of it? I don't know. Right. I mean, again, it could work. It great, and I think you could still do you could do it the way that I would love to see it, and still have it be effective and moving and emotional. Right. Um, I don't care. What really, really, what I want out of this movie are two things. I want a guy getting his legs sliced off just below the knees. <laughs> yeah, and I want okay. I want at least one empty bullet casing tied into his head. <laughs> you give me those two things and there I'll be go. happy. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you said June 7th of this year. June 7th of this Holy year. Holy crap. It's going to be March tomorrow. We haven't gotten a trailer yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's I know. Crazy. I think they're really like within the next week or so. But that's the other weird thing about this, that people are kind of, you know, what? why this sort of a rollout? Why trickling of information announcing uh quietly announcing a release date a week or two ago right. vanity fair article with these three images and still no trailer so i think a lot of that that also i think sends a little concern to people right why we'll is see. i mean it's a june movie so we'll see i think if, if they do sort of like what they did with the joker the, the joaquin phoenix joker where they have sort of like this trickle effect of him becoming ultimately what right. he's supposed to become yeah then i think you have yourself uh you've got yourself a movie. 
I like Bill Skarsgård. We'll see. Yeah, he's great. He's he's really really good actor. I think he's a great choice for this. Um, but now I'm really excited again for him to play Nosferatu in that remake because he's he's. He's great buried under makeup, too. <laughs> so. It'll be good. Um, all right, cool. All right, last piece of news that we have for you guys. This one's a bit sad. It's, you know, we keep going through this, but it's just going to keep happening because we just keep getting older. Ramona. Ramona Freyden. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Ramona Freyden was really just one of the first pioneers uh, uh female pioneers in comics uh she worked you know she co-created uh metamorpho the element mm-hmm. man uh, we're gonna see next year yep we're gonna see him in superman legacy, superman legacy. yep and uh with one of my favorite freaky actors speaking of freaky actors that guy who just looked great <laughs> and um, almost defined the look of Aquaman, like what Mm. we consider Aquaman and growing up with the Super Friends cartoon. Mm -hmm. A lot of that sort of look for Aquaman, I think, really was nailed down by her. Uh, Just an amazing, uh, solid, competent artist and passed away at 96 and literally was like at a convention like a week before doing doing drawings for people so somebody who really just never stopped even though she stopped doing you know a lot of you know interior uh work but still maintained a presence in the comic community and was just by all accounts just a wonderful person really humble really really nice and just an extraordinary talent and a trailblazer that a lot of people don't really talk about uh right yeah i mean especially coming out i mean she's in a market where it's mostly men yeah. Um, and then being able to stand out and let alone even create uh, a character that um, is so obscure, but yeah. such a great character. I mean, um, I, I, I can only think of two people from that era, two women from that era that I could, I know were, were heavy, heavy work. Ramona mm-hmm. Freyden and Marie Severin. And Marie mm-hmm. Severin's brother, John, was already... I think an, an established artist when right. she started, you know, doing her work. So, so yeah, it's just it's people don't really talk about it too much. But no, but what made her really unique is that you know, '96, right? That's a long life. So as tragic as it is, it's still a long life to have. And um, she hadn't done work in a long time in regards to the actual medium itself. But she was still doing commissions. Yeah, into her '90s, she's still drawing, and, and it looked great. It looked dude, great. Just like the classic style from like the '40s and '50s is just all over her style, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, and still I, clean. Yeah, I, mean, I, I still want to be able to walk without a walker and be able to wipe my own ass at '96. Yeah, I uh, look at I look. Far. I'd look at like people would post these commissions, and I'd be like, "Wow, that's a great old piece." And I'd look at the date and be like. Gee, that was like yesterday. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. went down a rabbit hole and just started looking at images online of commissions that she did recently. And I was like, uh, if I would have saw it at a convention, I should have just freaking did it. But yeah, now it's too late. But yeah, some really awesome stuff there. Um, but yeah, just uh, another one who passes away. So yeah, she has some good company up there, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, she's going to get more, but we just hope not anytime soon. And uh, and they're all fighting with Stan. Oh, famous Stan! <laughs> He's getting credit for everything. Oh, I, I, uh, I created no, this, is... this. I created this death thing. You guys, when you know, when you walk into heaven, it's going to be like Stan Lee presents heaven, <laughs> and is that the pearly gates? That's going to be great. Um, all right, guys. So Sanctimonious Saint Peter, and uh... <laughs> he co-created him. Um, 
All right, cool. So this is that's what we have for you for the news. Like I said, we don't have anything to review this week. We'll definitely have some stuff next week. Some sons of bitches got hands of books first than I did. So, uh, but we would, did want to take a moment to talk about. Um, so a couple things. One, there's a bunch of comic book stores that that we follow online, um, and the sad trend. And this is not to indicate any looming or dooming, you know, forecasts. But a lot of the comic books that shops that we follow online have started closing down so within the last i would say month three comic book stores that we follow have posted they're closing down they're selling mm. everything from the fixtures uh it doesn't sound like a lot but when you're dealing with you know about 3500 i think was the last number about that ish um across the u.s and you've got store closing down um every week or every month it, it, it starts to dwindle and yeah. we look at the media because it is a physical medium. And, and if we look at sort of like where it started, uh, I mean, this stuff was on newsstands and it was in supermarkets and it was in liquor stores off of racks. And it wasn't until like the late 70s, early 80s where the first store started actually popping up. So if we look at it in retrospect, we're only talking about 40 years mm -hmm. of a medium being around in physical stores where there's an actual store that was dedicated to just selling comics. Um, and we can bring that number even you know, further down when it comes to just stores that deal with just comics. Mm -hmm. Because most stores that are surviving today are more pop culture stores, which means they sell comics and they sell Funko Pops and they sell toys and they sell everything under the sun. There's been stores that have been combinations of like coffee shops and, you know, selling comics. Probably not the best idea in the world to put, you know, <laughs> comics around liquid. Uh, but anything that you can think of under the sun, I think has been tried. Um, but the tried and true, like, old mom and pop comic shops, those are far and few in between. Um, and you know, John and I have been at the Joker's Tower for quite some time, but they've been there for close to 40 years. It's like 35, 36 years mm -hmm. um, within or on the same location. They only moved once uh, from a small store to a, a, a larger store and have been there for over 30 years. So, uh, it, it, you know, a lot of the information, well, actually let's go back, right? So we had multiple distributors back in the 80s. So there would be distribution points that stores would order from, um, and they could do one of two things. They can wait for their orders to come to the store, and or they can actually go to the distribution place and pick up um, their books um, and then bring them back to the shops. Time passes by, and I always screw up his name. Jeppy, Giuseppe, Jeppy, Jeppy, Jeppy. Uh, Jeppy, Steve Jeppy. Yeah, uh, kind of buys out all these smaller distribution chains and creates what's called Diamond. Um, and becomes a sole distributor for a very, very, very long time. And all that means is that if you wanted comics in your comic shop, you had to go to this one distributor. And this was in the U.S. We're probably talking about because uh, there's some other stuff that goes on in the U.K., even though they have their hands into that as well a little bit. Um, so for a very long time, uh, I would say a couple of decades, maybe a little bit more, it was just Diamond. So whatever Diamond said as far as shipping, pricing, cost, all that stuff, that was done. It wasn't until about maybe we're going on almost four or five years now right yeah yeah with uh dc breaking off first so dc was one of the first ones to break off um and they ended up going to another distribution actually two distribution companies uh it was lunar what was the other one called i forgot <sighs> i don't remember uh, but there were yeah. two one of them subsided out it was the one for midtown comics yeah, um, yeah. that one no longer exists um, Luna Distribution exists now. I'll say, so DC walked away and went exclusively to Luna Distribution. 
soon and to then, be joined by Image. Yes, yes. And then so, but the next big one to jump was Marvel. So Marvel jumped off and then I'm going with Penguin Random House. Uh, so now you had three distribution companies taking over different parts of the market. Obviously, DC and Marvel, a major part of the market because they're the big two. These are what we have seen over the last 15, 20 years on the movie screens with all the superhero stuff. If you talk about superhero anything, more than likely people are going to name characters from the big two. So it was a big you know, hit on Diamond. But Diamond doesn't just sell comics. They have games and toys. So they were going to be okay. They still had Image and they still have a whole bunch of other publishers under their, uh, under their umbrella. So now all this meant was more work for the stores ordering back again for multiple right. distribution. So there was like an uproar of being kicking my feet. No, I was used to ordering for one person. <laughs> I got to go back to three. But it all subsided and everything, you know, just went to the wayside. And it, it's, it's all good now. The other upset was that DC, instead of uh, releasing their books on Wednesday, like everybody else in the world, uh, they decided to say, no, we're going to do it on Tuesday when, you know, books get released themselves. So that's been like that for a couple of years. But there is some news in the work. Is it official already? So, yeah. So in July, DC will be going back to a Wednesday release date. Uh, and I find it funny that it was DC that did this, that I almost feel they were trying to make Tuesday the release date, mm. try to get everybody else to follow suit. I'm surprised that it was uh, DC and not Penguin Random House. Right. Because Penguin Random House obviously is a book book distributor, right? Mm -hmm. And publisher. And in the Barnes and Noble book world, uh, Tuesday is new release day for all books. Correct. Uh, and it also used to be for music too. Then mm -hmm. music a few years ago went to Fridays again. But yeah, so it, I think that that was almost the intention to try and get everybody to jump on board on Tuesday. But no one really wanted to do that. Everybody wanted to stick to Wednesday. And yeah. so basically, I think because of that, they decided, you know, we're just going to go back to Wednesday with everybody else. Right. And yeah, that'll happen in July. And they held. They held for a while. I mean, it's been years since we were doing books on Tuesday and Wednesday. And some stores refused. I mean, some stores just still kept it on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, the, meant... <laughs> the other part, part of that is, so, so a lot of this book time, you know, stuff is going to come. Like sometimes we'll get our DC books on Wednesday the week before. Right. Right. And what a lot of shops wind up doing, they just crack those boxes open and they start selling stuff before Tuesday anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so is this a way to sort of crack down on that? I don't necessarily know how. You're just asking people to wait one more day. Um, but maybe that makes it easier to track. Okay. who Where's this stuff coming from? Right. You know, rather than a Tuesday, Wednesday thing. But, well, yeah. I mean, all that stuff in regards to like early releases and stuff like that is, you know, it's predicated on whether or not you have um, shoppers that are going to tell the distribution people that they're releasing stuff early. Yeah. Um, I know that Diamond used to have sort of like uh, shoppers that would come in to see if their books were being released early on the shelves or if they can get stuff because they were, you know, they were trying to trick shop owners into giving them books early. Um, and if they did, then they would get axed from... Uh, distribution. It, it's not as heavy as like that it is right now. I think it's yeah. more relying on um, probably people calling uh, distribution distribution companies saying, "Hey, these guys are releasing their books early," or they heard that this shop is doing so and so and, so and what and what. I think the last big thing was a uh, bad idea uh, doing a thing where they were cracking down on you know uh, down. Yeah. with their rules and stuff like that. But I, that, 
at, I think it's a this, lot looser than what most people think. Yeah, at this point, it doesn't seem like DC has any sort of control over that because DC leaks happen all the time. Uh, fortunately, in the age of the inter- the internet, you know, you can, as a shop owner, you can safely sell somebody a comic before its release date, and they're not going to go on the internet and blast about it. So, right, right, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, so. yeah. So that's the thing is that the yeah, these you know, but again, it just feels like DC, and in some ways, DC might welcome it because then it creates a buzz for a book, right, days before it comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's it's crazy because you know the stuff that we're talking about today is, is trying to get information, and and we're in the information age. We've been in the information age for the longest, where it's really hard for any movie studio out there to keep secrets on what's going on because of leaked images. You know, the last thing with uh, the Deadpool Wolverine movie and uh, Ryan Reynolds going online saying, "Hey guys, if you know you want to spoil the movie," he, he gave them like five images uh, of what's going on because of we're, we're just in an age where it's that clickbait stuff. Mm-hmm. Where you just want people to click on your stuff and just to read whatever's going on. My what I hate the most is when I'm scrolling through Instagram and it's sort of like a tease photo and sort of like a, a tease message at the bottom and it says clink bio for full story. Right, right. I delete all of those accounts always because <laughs> they're just trying to get you to read other shit that's just whatever. And you um, know what this, you know what this sort of began when advanced information, I think didn't ruin a movie, but it definitely blew up a, a plot point that yeah. should have uh, initially watching it been a major moment. Yeah. And, and uh, Terminator 2. It's Terminator 2 because someone's talking about how they showed their kid they Terminator and Terminator 2, right? Like almost back to back, right? Mm-hmm. Without any trailers or anything like that. And the kids were at that, when they're starting Terminator 2, the kids were like, oh, Robert Patrick metal guy, he's the good guy going after Arnold, the bad guy. And you get to that scene where they're in the mall, the back hallway of the mall, yeah, and they're yeah. face to face with, with, with little Eddie Furlong in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and Arnold pulls out the shotgun, right? And you're like, oh no, he's the bad guy. He's gonna, and then oh no, he's here to save it. What's going on, right? Ruined when the movie came out because the commercials already telegraphed that Arnold's the good guy. And at that point, Arnold had, you know, the only bad guy that Arnold ever really played in a movie before Mr. Freeze was Terminator in Terminator 1. And the way Cameron was is setting that up, it it should have been a surprise for everybody going to that movie at opening night. And they killed it with the ads. Because they showed it in the ads, riding on the motorcycle with little Eddie Furlong, you know? And uh, and it was like so you knew going into the movie he was going to be the good guy, but boy, if that, that to me that's when marketing s- just spoiled a major moment. Yeah, and it's, and you can find pockets of that stuff everywhere. You know, with toy releases, uh, you yeah. know, with stuff going on in like the <laughs> Burger Kings and McDonald's and of uh, the world where they're releasing toys of Batman Mask of the movie. Phantasm. Ugh, yeah. Remember so, that? The, the, the Phantasm figure that came yeah, out before yeah, yeah. the movie came out and it revealed who the villain was. <laughs> it's crazy. So that's, that's just the mishap between marketing and what's going on. Um, and, and comics are no different. You know, one of the things that I love about collecting comics when I was younger is sort of that surprise of week to week, what was going to be on the shelf. Cause it wasn't a lot of literature or easy to access literature unless you were like in the, the nerdy world on what was coming out the week before, what was coming out, um, you know, in in the prior weeks to come. So it wasn't until we started getting previews world 
and a lot of the magazines like uh, that aren't even around, like Wizard um, and stuff like that, that had stuff in it that let you know what was coming out. Previews World still exists. It's from Diamond Comics um, or at previewsworld.com where it gives you all the material and everything that's coming out within the next uh, two months, three months. So everything that's in this book, so it'll be listed on top. This is March, but it's March of this year for April, May, June releases. So everything is ordered up to three months in advance. If you don't know what this book is, ask for it in your store because this kind of lets you know what is up and coming when it comes to certain books. So when we look at distribution, distribution is basically just where comic store owners order their books from and get them. And let me put this up real quick. So we have basically three major distribution points at this point. So you have previous worlds, which I just showed you. Um, you can get it at your store. If your store doesn't carry it, um, you can just go to previewsworld.com. They have an online catalog there that you can purchase as well. For the most part, if they're a reasonable comic book store, they're going to carry Previews World because what comic book stores actually want to do is they want to sell comics ahead of time, which means you're pre-ordering books that are going to be coming out a couple months in advance. So those are sort of like guarantee sales for the stores in that respect. Or you could just let them know that you're interested in the book. What's also going to be in here are books that your store does not carry. So if you're interested in a particular publisher who's quite small that your store doesn't carry, you can go in and check. Now, you will find, I think they still do, um, Marvel um, and possibly Image. I'm not sure. They're not exclusive. Uh, most stores won't order from Diamond those book, particular books because they've been ordering them from Penguin. And it just comes to discounts and all like that. They're accessible, and those have their own as well. So Marvel Previews has their own book where all the Marvel books are going to come out. And then you have also the DC Connect, uh, which has all the DC books that are coming out. Now, here's the thing. IDW just started releasing one. Um, I didn't get my hands on that. I'm, I'm sure that's going to be a monthly thing. So IDW, um, a, another comic book distributor. Uh, they'll be part of like the, the independent chain. Um, and then the rest of the books, sorry, the rest of the books that you want to get uh, are from these other two distributors. So Luna Distribution, that's the one that took over DC. They carry DC books, but they're also now carrying image books as well. So most stores are purchasing their books, or their image books through Luna Distribution, and then Small Press. Now, unfortunately, the only thing that Luna gives to the stores is the DC Connect, because that's, C that's DC printing out their books. But if you actually go to lunadistribution.com, you're going to see two other um, catalogs online that are only available online. Uh, you've got the image catalog, and then you've got something that's called the next phase, which is a small press independent um, catalog. So it is more books than just DC that Luna is distributing. And oftentimes, as a patron to stores, we don't know. Because if they're just carrying previews, and they're just carrying the DC Connect and the Marvel book, then there's a whole list of other books that you're missing out on. So if you actually go to lunadistribution.com, you can download the online catalogs that they have there. And if your store doesn't carry those particular stories or something that's upcoming, you can talk to your store about ordering it. All this means is that it means more business for them, obviously, but it also means more business for the store and it means more exposure to you when it comes to actual storylines. 
Uh, the last one that I have on here is uh, Penguin Random House. So Penguin is going to be exclusively just uh, Marvel Comics. They do have, uh, I think, a couple of other distributors. I think they do Archie as well and a couple of other ones as well, but it's primarily Marvel Comics that the stores deal with uh, Penguin Random House to, to get their Marvel books from. Uh, so, and you can go to, I think it's called prhcomics.com. Now, I will tell you this. In the very beginning, that site was trash. Like, you could not really find anything because they're mostly a bookstore. So you can find a lot of their the book titles. But when it came to the comics, they weren't separa separated out from the books. So you were drooling through a whole bunch of these different books that you didn't care about because you wanted to get comics. But the prhcomics.com uh, site, you'll have all the comic books. It's still not the best in the world. It's not like the other ones where they're really geared towards um, comic release dates and even pre-ordering comics um, that, are, that are far out. So like with previews well, because they've been around for the longest, they've got that science locked down. So you can go there and you can see what's coming out that following week. You can see the FOC stuff, which is for stores when they, can, when they need to order by a certain day for a particular books. Um, and then the same thing with Lunar Distribution as well. You can see what books are being released that week. And then you can see books that are going to be released within the next three months that the stores need to order. And what is great is that you get to see what's coming out in the next three months. And if that's a particular book that's of low sale or you never get a copy, then you can just ask your store to say, hey, I need this copy and order in advance for yourself. PRH Comics almost does that. You actually go to the comic section and it mixed for some reason. It's weird. It just, I think it has it in alphabetical order. So the mixed dates are released. So you'll have a comic that came out this week with a comic that's coming out next week with a comic that's probably coming out in a couple of weeks. It's, it's really weird. But you can sort through the sections and say, okay, give it to me by release date. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. Uh, the most important thing that we're trying to get across here is, yeah, we're, we're in a day and age where you know we're 40 years into a market that's still, I believe it's still young. 40 years is not... A long time and retrospect to anything but the way that technology has been advancing the way that our society is you know moving further and further away from physical things and everything being online uh, my fear is not our generation because our generation grew up with paper with that smell of a fresh new comic uh in your hand it's my daughter's generation and the generation after that you know i exposed my daughter to comics um, and she reads them every now and then, but it's not like us where it's, it's a week to week thing. Like every Tuesday and Wednesday, soon to be just Wednesdays now, um, mm. picking up that physical copy, reading that physical copy, and then just having a place for it. Mm. At the store, if we look at the type of traffic that we're getting, it's far less young, young people. And it's mm -hmm. more middle-aged, working-class people that are coming in to spend their money. And, you know, I, I attribute that to a couple of things. You, you look at the price of a comic now. I think the average price now, we could safely say it's $4.99. Uh, thanks to Tom McFarlane, we still get $2.99 books. Um, except for when they're like issues 350, which I read, by the way. Mm -hmm. Fucking good, because now we know who's uh, sitting in the seat of hell. Uh, there, mm -hmm. I won't ruin it for you. But it's a good jumping on point, if you guys yeah. haven't read Spawn. Really good jumping on point because it kind of surmises what's been happening up to now and kind of gives you where the story's going to be going um, from, from then on. But yeah, it's, I mean, I'll probably be long gone before freaking this medium dies out. But I think if we don't, you know, inspire the next generation to understand, you know, it's, it's not just a kid thing. This is about creation, imagination, 
about inclusion, about entertainment. There's so much more to comics than just them being, you know, sequential art with speech bubbles that are meant for little kids. To me, honestly, we're, we're at a, a, a great storytelling time because the stories are more complex um, in regards to like what we grew up in. And when I'm gonna say 90s, because that's when I got heavily into comics, uh, where you could really tell who the bad guy was clearly, who the good guy was clearly, and then there's just basic dialogue that was quite entertaining, but really basic. And there's been an evolution in the medium in regards to storytelling. The only problem is, is there's so much out there that not everybody has access to everything that is out there. Mm -hmm. So if you look at most mom and pop stores, they're going to be ordering from the big two because those are the things that sell. But you, as a patient, need to understand that there's so much more out there. Mm -hmm. um, and if you get your hands on at least one of these three books, and then look at your online resources that we have here, um, then you'll be able to get even more. Um, there are order forms that, you know, uh, Previews World holds out. The back of the DC Connect has an order form. Uh, for the other ones that don't have an order form, it's just a matter of talking to your shop owners and saying, hey, listen, uh, there's this book coming out from so-and-so publisher. Um, we might not carry it here, but I'd like to order it. Is there any way that you can order it? And if they tell you no, just smack them in the mouth <laughs> because they have access to all of it as well. It's just depending on how much work they actually want to do. I mean, yeah, yeah that's that's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was take time here. I know you want to say something. Oh, is, oh. yeah. No, good, but finish. Good. It's just take time here just to let you know that there are resources out there for additional books that may not be carried by your store. And you might be talking to people that are reading a comic that you don't know exists um and that's because they have access to it and you don't but we all have access to the tools for everything that's being released um no matter what so if you're looking to expand sort of like your reading universe uh the best place to start is to talk to your comic shop owner and if you're not aware of these publications the previews world i think is like five bucks it comes out every month uh, yep. it's definitely worth picking up because it has every single publisher um, that's carried, that's not carried by the other um, two distributors, um, and then picking up the DC Connect, and maybe even going online and checking out the smaller publishers in that next phase from Lunar, um, and then the Image Catalog um, that's on there as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it's all, it, yeah, you're, at, you actually hit the nail on the head there. Uh, one of the things that I, as a, as a friendly neighborhood comic slinger, uh, that disappoints me the most is when people can't get their hands on the things that they mm. really want, right? Mm. And part of it is because they hear about it too late. Uh, so, you know, we have like people coming in two weeks after Ultimate Spider-Man number one comes out looking for copies and, you know, we sell out, right? So uh, this is a great tool for you know because uh, i found, sometimes find the one of the best customers or consumers is an informed consumer mm -hmm. so the information that are in these catalogs are great because in most cases it gives you really uh release dates street dates now bear in mind sometimes books miss their ship date no gig is confirmed until the band is on stage playing right so but it at least gives you an idea of when something is going to come out um it tells you if something is a mini series for the most part and how many issues it's going to mm -hmm. be it tells you how much it's going to cost so you can budget accordingly uh a big thing is uh variant covers again right and so in a lot of cases you get the images of the of the variant covers so you can tell your retailer i want this cover mm -hmm. this also again helps retailers 
order. Uh, you know, it's a direct communication to your to your comic shop owner to tell them, you know, look, I want these these books, right? As a consumer, you have a voice, and this helps you use that voice. Um, and also a lot of the ratio variants, right? So you, we've talked about it before. If there's a one for 25 variant, what that means is that for every 25 copies of the main cover that the retailer buys, they are eligible to buy one of these ratioed variants. So 25, one for 50, one for 100, one per store. Retailers, in order to, if you want that one for 50, you got to tell the retailer that if the retailer is like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get enough, then get your friends to order a whole bunch of the main covers, you know, through yep. your retailer to secure your your gem of a copy there. Um, like Angel said, $5 for this. The DC Marvel catalogs are pretty much free uh, with purchase. Yep. Um, so again, it is just a great way to kind of prep three months down the road. So you know what's coming out and you know that you could get your hands on it and you're not faced with disappointment. Um, and uh, if you're ever concerned about spoilers, since this is all done by the publishers, they do their best to conceal spoilers. And it, it's always fun when you see like a cover image, you know, in one of the catalogs and there's a figure blacked out with a yeah, question yeah, mark yeah. in it. And you're like, oh, that's great. You're giving me some surprise here. So uh, yeah, just an invaluable tool for retailers and the customer. Um, bear in mind that when this comes out, you basically will have about two to three weeks to submit your request to your retailer so that they can get the order in on time. Uh, but yeah, I think it is very important. And again, not just comics, there's, there's, you know, it's broken down by publisher. There's also a manga section, collectible card game section, role-playing section, toys, statues, apparel, which used to be like five pages is now like a half page now, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. it has, it really has everything, uh, to satisfy your nerd cravings. Yeah. So the most important thing is that the stuff is out there and it's part of like the, the learning stages, you don't know that you don't know because it doesn't exist in your world. Um, and now you've gone to the, uh, you know, that you didn't know. Um, <laughs> so now you have the information out there that you didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. And once you start getting it, you're going to go to the, you know, you know, which is what you want, which is, hey, this, you know, it, it comes out, I think the first week or yeah, the first week of every month, you'll get the previews world along with the other magazines, or you can even just go to the sites. They're updated as well within that week, so you can actually see what's coming out. And this will create a uh, deeper relationship between you and the shop owners. And, you know, for shop owners, like, we've been doing it for so long. It is more work, honestly, to, you know, do orders for 100-plus people every single month. Um, it, it's work mm -hmm. um, in that respect. But it's 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 stuff that we don't mind because we know we're getting you and we're exposing you to a, a, a much greater population of, of stuff that you wouldn't have been um, mm -hmm. able to access. So do yourself a favor, walk into your store. If you don't know what previews is or any of these, um, or even if you do just keep utilizing them and maybe even spread the word in regards to um, the information that's out there because it is accessible for everybody um, mm -hmm. in our respects. And then hopefully, yeah, I'll get less messages on my Instagram saying the store is closing down and actually people are placing more orders, which would be cool. And it's a little more work on the front end, you know, sure, in some respects, but it's a heck of a lot less work uh, than trying to track down a book 
when it has sold out and you're, 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 you know, you really want to satisfy that customer. Um, and you know, and you don't want to be faced with shock and disappointment, you know, you no, wanna, especially you wanna... when it comes to trades too. I mean, yeah. once a trade goes out of print, you go on a secondary market, you're going to be paying three, four times the amount because it's out of print. So or, just or, know that or, too. Or wait for like Marvel to, to bring it back into print and then charge another $5, like the, like the Epic collections, right? Like, yes, yes. You know, well, you know what I going to be doing Epic collections now they're, too. They're, their own version. Yeah. 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 Again. It's crazy. Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So we wanted to sort of do uh, this PSA for you guys and hopefully it clears up some stuff. If you didn't know, if you do, and you know, we're kind of regurgitating, regurgitating information and it is what it is. Suck it up. Um, <laughs> but we will bet we'll be back next week with a regular episode because hopefully I'll get my hands on a copy of Savage, sort of Conan, <laughs> like some sons of bitches did. Uh, and from the file that I saw for next week, it looks like we do have a couple of number ones that are coming out of some indie stuff. So we'll have some stuff to talk about then. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, if you like what you heard today, please click subscribe to the podcast. Better yet, tell 100 of your friends to come and join us each week. Uh, we're here at 10 a.m. on Thursdays. Uh, if you want to join us, you want to come on to the podcast, your creator want to talk about your creation, uh, what's going on, amazingactioncomments.com slash podcast. Fill out the form. We'd love to have you on. Stay up to date on everything that we got going on at amazingactioncomments.com. And this PSA was all about this last item. Support, support, please support your little comic book shops. They stay around as long as we can um, for that fact. John, where do you get your comics from? Well, I get my comics at The Joker's Child in Fairlaw, New Jersey, where we get all the latest titles uh, when they do hit their ship date. And you know what else we have, Angel? What's that? We have the new March previews. Nice! For, for, for stuff uh, shipping in May. So uh, why don't you, you know, come on down to The Joker's Child and uh, pick up one of these awesome catalogs that angel and i were just uh talking about and if you can't make it to uh fairlawn new jersey definitely hit up your local comic shop and uh they should absolutely be carrying previews and if they do not carry previews you ask them why and see if what they could do to get you the books that you want going forward into the future because this is a hobby that you do not want to want to miss an issue on skip a beat on because again you just want to avoid shock and disappointment in your future so avoid shock and disappointment and come on down to the joker's child in fairlaw new jersey very nice all right kitties that's all that we have for you this week until next time please be amazing stay amazing and read something amazing <laughs> <laughs>